The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Exploring our oneness with spirit and each other. Unity Online Radio. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D. From Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. Now, here's your host, Rev. Anna Schaus. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host, and I want to thank all of you for listening with us today. I'm very glad that you have joined us here on the Spirit of Recovery. As usual, we're going to have a great program for you. And also, I want to thank you for liking Spirit of Recovery on Facebook. We do have a Spirit of Recovery page there, and we get likes uh, on a regular basis, and that's just fantastic. We love to hear from you. And thank you for posting on the, on the Spirit of Recovery page. And I want to thank you also for letting your friends and the people in your recovery community, your unity community, and your other spiritual communities know about us here on Spirit of Recovery on unityonlineradio.org. And I am delighted to be broadcasting on the topic of recovery and spirituality here. I love bringing you great guests, and um, I'm glad to know that our guests are touching your heart and blessing you in so many ways. Every week, we do talk about topics that are important to the recovery community. We have guests who are down-to-earth, knowledgeable, and innovative, people who are in recovery themselves or who work with or write for recovering people, and sometimes all three. And my guests are always bringing you practical information that you can use and lively discussions that get you thinking. You know that you can listen to us here in a variety of ways. You can uh, listen through your smart device. You can listen through your computer. You can listen live, and you can listen on demand. We've got lots of great archives, so you can go to unityonlineradio.org slash program slash spirit of recovery and find plenty of great archived programs. I want you to know that the Spirit of Recovery is a welcoming place. If you're a person that's in recovery from any kind of an addiction, if you're the family member or friend of somebody that's got the disease of addiction, whether or not you are in your recovery as a family member or whether or not they are in recovery, um, you're welcome here. Maybe you're just looking for information. You're just curious about the process of recovery. We're very glad that you're here with us on the Spirit of Recovery and welcome your participation in our discussions. Again, my name is Anna Schaus. I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a unity minister and an addictions counselor. I'm also a person who has in my own circle of love and friendship many people that have the disease of addiction. And for over 30 years ago, those relationships got me started on an active path of personal growth and spiritual development. And my walk is, continues to be an integration of unity principles and recovery principles. And that keeps transforming my life and keeps me growing in deeper ways. So I am grateful and delighted to have the opportunity to share these ideas with you, again, to bring you great guests and to hear what you're experiencing on your spirituality and recovery walk. 
Today, our topic is Keep It Simple, Meditation for Recovering People. And my guest is Tom Catton. You know, uh, too often uh, people in recovery might shy away from the meditation that's suggested in the 11th step of the 12 steps because sometimes people think, well, you have to be some kind of an expert or something, you know, to be a meditator. Um, but meditation's for everybody. You don't have to be a so-called spiritual expert, that it is a practice and it uh, is a wonderful, wonderful way to build your spiritual relationship, to build your peace of mind. My guest, Tom Catton, uh, is a person in long-term recovery since 1971, and he has been a meditator uh, since 1966. He's the author of the book, The Mindful Addict, and you can go to Amazon.com and find that um, on there and find out more about Tom. And Tom also has uh, completed a book, which is going to be published um, probably early next year, and it's called May I Sit With You, A Simple Approach to Meditation. And uh, Tom has been very active in uh, recovery circles in the Buddhist Recovery Network. He teaches a Buddhist recovery meditation group, and um, he's just uh, very active in being of service. And he, uh, Tom says that his daily practice encourages him to stay awake and be present for his life, which is enough, which is everything. So, Tom Catton, welcome to Spirit of Recovery. Aloha, Anna. Thank you very much. Glad nice that- to be with you. Good. Glad you're here. And Tom has uh, been my guest before, actually about a year ago, when we talked about his book, The Mindful Addict. And um, as you might guess, Tom is a resident of Hawaii, so he's taken some time from his day in that beautiful place to talk with us. So, Tom, you you said that uh, you ask your friends sometimes, why meditate? And, and and maybe sometimes they ask you that. So what's the what's your response? Why do you why do you meditate? Well, let's uh, just to briefly go back just a little bit. Meditation has been part of my life since before I even got clean uh-huh. in 1971, and that's because I was you know a Southern California guy, and I was living in Hawaii all through the 60s out on the North Shore, and it was a very uh, you know, of course, I was using drugs, but if I, I always thought if I was just smoking hash and taking LSD, I was doing it for spiritual reasons, you know. And it was a big deal back then, that whole movement like that with the gurus hitting. And what happened, man, I was in, 19, in 1966, I read a book called The Autobiography of a Yogi by uh, Paramahansa Yogananda. And something just woke up inside of me, although I was a lost addict, I, I was miserable. I didn't want to be doing what I was doing, but I thought that's what you were supposed to do. I was, you know, in the 60s, a flower child, and that's what you did. But something resonated in this book, and I started taking meditation lessons uh, from uh, Self-Realization Fellowship in 1966. Uh, but, the, you know, I would get my lessons in the mail, and then I would you know, get high as I read them and tried to meditate. And it really didn't work if I had just shot some methadrine or something. You know, it was like, as anybody knows that tries to meditate, our mind is chattering away. We'll try it on after you just mainline feed. You know, it really doesn't work. I was really, I was drawn to it then. And I always, you know, ever since then, I've been drawn to it. And uh, even when Maharishi first came along, I was initiated in around 1967 in Hawaii under transcendental meditation. You know, I did everything until the program moved in next door to me, which was all due to meditation, too. So what was it that initially got you so interested in meditation? I know you said you read the autobiography of a yogi, and, and that spoke to you. What was it that you saw in that that you weren't getting out of the in a sense, you were trying to have a spiritual quest on drugs, but that wasn't working. So what, what right. got you interested in them? What, what was it inside well, that like, drew you? I think, that, like I said, something resonated with me. When, and it was in those days the Vedanta teachings, you know, more of the Hindu with Yogananda and Maharishi, more of the Vedanta thing. And uh, something just resonated. I just knew, I think it was that, 
you know, we know it was just my true self dying to be expressed, and I didn't know how to do it, and drugs weren't working. And then I just, as I said, the pro, and what really capped it off with me, and really, I mean, so I was already interested in meditation, and then in 1968, I was living on the North Shore at a beach called Rocky Point, which is right in between Sunset Beach and the Bonsai Pipeline, which everyone's heard of. And one day, out of nowhere, this very strange-looking lady moved in. She had long uh, pepper black and gray hair, kind of, and she was very, you know, skinny and weathered-looking. But, boy, she just radiated everything I'd been reading about in the books. And what happened is that she moved into this uh, beach house that was right next door to mine, a four-bedroom house, and when the real estate guy came out the next day to show the house, she was in it. And he said, what are you doing here? And she said, God told me to come here. Can you have the electricity turned on? So what this was about, you know, what this was about, this woman at that time was eight years, you know, in 12-step recovery. She had eight years. And she had had what we've heard about Bill W. and the big book having, and we, I call it the 20th century of the 20th century fox spiritual awakening when all the universe turns to love and light she had that when she was dying almost and she just the whole thing turned to white light and since that day on she gave back everything and she just left her husband left her house and she began to follow the guidance she got every morning in meditation that's literally what she did i get goosebumps when i'm talking about it right now but on that morning of February 10th, 1968, she was led from Kaneohe, which is 40 miles from the North Shore, the surf spot, and she was led right to this beach house, literally guided there divinely, and knew she was supposed to be there, and she started a meeting, and I went to it. I had never heard of 12 Step Recovery before that. It was very anonymous in the 60s, you know, the late 60s. But that was my introduction, and, and, and you got to say, you got to, I mean, there's something to meditation when you see what this lady did. I spent the next 10 years following her around the world and, and not listening so much to my own guidance, but listening to hers, you know. I actually witnessed this woman going around the world twice with not a cent to her name, just Stepping out into the unknown when God told her where to go. So that, you know, that was my introduction to the program. So I got to say, something. There's something to this meditation thing. Right. Yeah. It's like, like tuning into that, uh, that spiritual power and that spiritual life. That there really is the who we are. It really is the essence of our, our lives for sure. Right. And I really believe if we all listen to that. And dare to follow our hearts. And let me. And the the key to knowing are you just hearing some kind of ego type voice, or are you actually hearing getting a divine guidance? I always say, it, check it out. If it has to do with serving others, it's probably God talking to you and not ego. And and I also got to say that over my the last forty two years of recovery when I've been following my own heart, it doesn't always mean it's an easy uh, road in front of you. Sometimes when you follow the divine guidance, it can get very confusing. It can be, you know, very uh, rough. But the thing is, if you step out there and do it, you, in hindsight, you can look back and see the absolute perfection and love that was involved. Yeah, that's a good point, Um because sometimes uh, in our spirituality, we think that if I just think these positive thoughts, then everything's going to be good and I won't have to deal with life. So how do you relate that to the meditation practice and, and recovery and stuff? Well, what I, what, whoops, I hear an echo. What I always do tell people is that, and even with myself in the very early years, I thought, here I am practicing every day, I'm in service, and I should have a gold star next to my name, you know, like you've got in nursery school. Well, that's not the way it works. You know, in other words, what I think, just because we meditate and, and are serving others doesn't mean life is a series of 
coming together and falling apart. It comes together and it falls apart. And, and it, once we embrace that and understand that this is the nature of life, what happens is our meditation, it's not about positive thoughts and nothing bad's ever going to happen, but what happens with meditation is that it does lean us towards a positive way of looking at our challenges. And when we can stay present, through whatever we're going through, what it does, it doesn't make the challenge go away, but it certainly softens it. It's kind of what we were talking a lot before we went on air, and just with you making this big move to to Austin, and any that kind of stuff's stressful, you know. And any kind of stress that we that we have that comes into our life by practicing meditation, and I really, I what I talk about now is mindfulness meditation. You know, just being present. What happens is we find out when the more can be present that stress, what you're going through right now, this move, a death in the family, a loss of a job, a divorce, losing money, it all is real life stress. And no one's going to tell you you're not ever supposed to feel stressed. But the deal is when, when we can stay present with it, we, 10% of the stress we're feeling is from whatever we're going through. The other 90% is our mind making it all up. And that's where mindfulness comes in, not getting carried away by our runaway thoughts. So in other words, I always tell people, you know, God only lives in the moment. And when you project out of the moment and you're worried about going to court next week or you're worried about getting your rent paid next week, the reason it's so stressful is because you're actually out there all by yourself. God's present right here, right now. And, and it's very important to remember that, you know, because we're creating most of our anguish in our head. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. It's almost like um, one thing I think is that we, we project into the future what, mm-hmm. we ha- what happened in the past that we haven't sort of resolved yet and so we we think so we use that to project out worries into the future yes we can right. make ourselves miserable That's a yeah i mean we come up listen what i say is when i'm in the, i call it a storyline you know when the you can call it you hear people talk about the committee talking or you know the movie going in our head anyway this storyline is always just full. anna it's full of a thousand outcomes that are never in my favor you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. always, mm-hmm. it's always, it's always the 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 path to the complete destruction of my life. You know that I'll never get it together. So right. it just really helps to embrace, not run from what. In other words, we're so used to running from what we're scared of and trying to grasp what we think is still good, and and that both of those cause suffering because if we're grasping what we think it feels good eventually it goes away, you know. I mean, the brand-new car wears off its novelty with us, you know, and all everything kind of sooner or later, it doesn't hold the joy, you know. It doesn't hold what we're trying to hold on to. So that's right. why being present. But, you know, that's, I used to think that enlightenment and God consciousness was this, like, really hard thing to obtain and it can never happen in a lifetime. And now I understand that really... Being in the moment is certainly having the door wide open to enlightenment. I mean, it's just another step, you know what I mean? So being present is a very important thing to practice. Great. Thank you. Hang on to that. We're going to, it's time for our break. Listeners, stay with us. We're going to come back in just a brief moment here, talk some more about keeping it simple, meditation for recovering people with my guest, Tom Catton person in long-term recovery and a long-term meditator. We'll be right back in the present moment. Stay with us. We'd like to take a moment to encourage you, as part of our Unity Online radio family of listeners, to support this ministry through a love offering. For your convenience, you can make one-time or recurring monthly donations. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. 
thank you for your support. Reverend Paulette Pipe's voice has been called mesmerizing, the sound of spirit expressing in soothing honey tones. If you're one of the loyal listeners who tune in each week for her program, Touching the Stillness, you already know the power of her meditations. If her programs leave you wanting more, purchase one or both of her meditation CDs, Touching the Stillness, her first CD, and the newly released Resting in Stillness. This latest CD combines Paulette's alchemic voice with an original score by pianist Kelly Hunt and will transport you to a place of divine peace. Enliven your meditations with Reverend Paulette Pipe as your guide and take her soothing voice and peaceful presence with you wherever you go. Get your copy today. Go to www.unity.org and then click on Shop. That's www.unity.org and click on Shop at the top of the page. Are you tired of life slamming the door in your face? Did you get another rejection letter, pink slip, foreclosure notice, or go on yet another bad date? Does it seem like the older you get, the more hopeless life seems? Are you ready to stop taking no as your final answer? Then join us for Design Your Life, a talk show by Kevin Cottrell Ross, the coach's coach, Go into the locker room for one full hour with the championship coach every week and start designing your winning playbook that will make the rest of your life the best of your life. That's Design Your Life with Kevin Cottrell Ross, the coach's coach, Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Central Time on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. listening to Spirit of Recovery with Rev. Anna Schaus and her guest. If you have a question or comment or experience with today's topic that you'd like to share, call us now at 888-55-UNITY. That's 888-558-6489. Call now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unityonlineradio.org. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host. If you're just joining us, today we're talking about Keep It Simple, Meditation for Recovering People. My guest is Tom Catton. Tom is a person in long-term recovery since 1971, and he's a long-term meditator. He's been meditating uh, since even before he started recovery, and that's ni- he started in 1966. Tom is an author. He has written The Mindful Addict, and you can locate that on Amazon.com, The Mindful Addict. And also, he's written a book called May I Sit With You, A Simple Approach to Meditation. And that book uh, is in the publication process as we speak and will be coming out probably around the 1st of 2015. And uh, Tom is a person who does have a daily meditation practice. He is on the advisory board of the Buddhist Recovery Network, and he teaches Buddhist recovery meditation groups. And uh, he just really is a delightful person, and we're glad to have him back here on Spirit of Recovery. Before I get back to my conversation with Tom, I invite you to join me for a brief moment of uh, focusing on a constructive idea and a brief moment of allowing our mind to be quiet, a brief moment of meditation, the serenity minute. So I invite you to relax, to be aware of that presence and that power that is your higher power, being aware of your breath as it comes in and goes out, letting your body relax, and sharing with me this constructive idea. I breathe in, I breathe out. I let go. I open my mind to the love of my higher power. I breathe in. I breathe out. I let go. I open my mind to the love of my higher power. 
and we take a moment in the quiet. for joining me in the Serenity Minute. And I trust that this was an opportunity for you to take a moment of quiet, to let go, and allow your mind to become still. Thanks for joining me in the Serenity Minute. And now we're back to my conversation with my guest, Tom Catton, and we're talking about Keep It Simple, Meditation for Recovering People. So, Tom, before the break, uh, you were talking about the idea of uh, meditation as, as mindfulness, as helping us be present, and that this is, in, in a way, like a, a, the process of enlightenment. Talk to us about enlightenment. How do you see that? Okay. Um, well, one thing, um, there's a lot of books written about this kind of stuff, and in, in some ways it's kind of uh, dangerous because then people sit down to meditate and they want those experiences, and if they don't get them, then they uh, are, you know, they get discouraged. But what I was talking about earlier was that the simplicity of enlightenment is, is being in the now completely. And when that, that can happen in meditation, I'll talk up, I, you know, hesitate to talk about experiences because, like I said, then people want to expect them. When really mindfulness is just about uh, sitting with no agenda and no goal in sight, but just accepting our struggles and, and not trying to manipulate the change of the moment in any way. That's really the basis for meditation and really and with our step recovery stuff to just sit and listen to God's will. But enlightenment is when that experience happens to you uh, and it does, it's not a lifetime thing. People, when, when you have these profound spiritual experiences during meditation, you still have to get up in the morning and go paint a house or take the garbage out or do the laundry or chop wood, as you hear, you know, after enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. Well, that's the essence of it, you know. And so uh, what can happen, though, as you prolong your meditations and you're, you're practicing deeper and deeper, what we suggest to do is, like, just observe your thoughts and follow your breath. And... You will find yourself drifting away from the breath 10,000 times, maybe, but you just keep returning gently without guilt, without resentment, right back to the breath, you know. But what happens in meditation, and it's always a gift, you know. No one can sit down and make this stuff happen. But all of a sudden, the breath you were following seems to be no longer there, and the thoughts you were observing are no longer there. And what, what happens is that you see, we talk about falling into the gap, in between the thoughts, you know, and this is where the, deep, the deepest peace you will ever want to experience finds, you know. I mean, you can forget to get up out of meditation. That's why it's good to have uh, uh, a timer set. <laughs> the timer works when you go too deep and, you you know, you might miss work or when you're so... Uh, Restless, you want it at the end real fast. You don't have to keep looking at the clock. The timer will go off. But enlightenment is just when all the separation of you and me disappears, too, you know, and there's just this love. And, you know, there, there can be things that happen that bring you to that, like you've heard of the chakra stuff. I've never practiced the kundalini meditations or chakra activation, but although that's happened to me, even though I wasn't practicing, where they just all opened at once. And it was, you know, you feel like there's thousands of volts of electricity going through you, and if anybody touched you, they would get shocked, or your third eye opened. But like I said, this is all, it's, it's beautiful stuff, and, and, and being an addict, man, you know, I sit down and can't 
hope and wishing it would happen, but there's nothing I can do to manipulate it. So I just sit there and try to be satisfied with being present. And I can just tell you, being present when you're really present is unbelievable. It's an, it just will bring tears to your eye. The joy will be so intense when you can just be present. So I like to say that that is all I worry about in my meditation is just being in the now. And that's enough, you know, and, and, and that is the doorway to, to total enlightenment. But it doesn't matter. That, all that stuff doesn't matter. It's really what we're doing in between. And, and like the program taught, teaches us to be of service and to be put love into action and put love, you know, love unconditionally. And that's what really counts, you know. You can tell a person that is enlightened not so much by their words but by their actions, you know. And if they're not out giving love every second, and I'm talking about every second, to give love, you know, that's, that's our goal. You know, so don't worry about enlightenment or getting out of your body and drifting above it. This is all just side effects and traps, I think. Right. Know, so I really try to detach myself from that stuff. And like I said, just be, just being with my breath. It is just so beautiful when I'm just there with my breath. And anyone can do that. You don't have to be initiated into 10 years of sitting in a cave with a guru. You can just sit and practice every morning, just coming back to your breath. It's very sacred. Right. Now, one thing, too, I'm, I'm going to ask you about is that, again, we live in the United States of America here, which is a, a Western culture, which uh, obviously in the last probably 35 or 40 years has been gotten a lot of ideas from the East and from Buddhism and Hinduism and so forth. So that's people are a lot more open to that now. Um, and, and yet even that, though, the culturally uh, – you know, our culture is based in Christianity, so some people don't realize that meditation is a universal practice. It's not just Eastern. It's, it was all, it's always been a Christian practice. Any faith tradition has it. So if people, sometimes people get hung up one way or the other on, oh, it's a Eastern religion, or some people get hung up the other way, oh, it's a Western thing, you know. So what's, what is it about the essence of meditation that, that transcends uh, what you know, whether it's an Eastern path or a Western path or whatever, what's what's the real well, essence? Real practice does just sitting, and once you start to transcend a little bit and start to be present, you see that that's all there is. I got to tell you, there's. I mean, I'm not a Catholic, but I certainly love the New Hope. I mean, the guy is like the Dalai Lama to me. The things he says and does, he's transcended all things. A favorite author of mine is, uh, from a long time ago, is Thomas Merton, who was, once again, a Trappist monk, and he was awake, you know? So, and another good uh, book that I've read is The Naked Now by Richard Rohr, another <laughs> Christian, you know? So, and we know, yeah, we know about, what was it, Brother Lawrence, you know, washing dishes, and just being present, you know, the whole time you did it, the, the Christian monk, you know, it's just, it's on, so I don't think, yeah, you're right, what you said is that meditation is for all religions, it really is, and they all practice it. So although mindfulness does come from a Buddhist lineage, really, Theravada, insight meditation, it really is, it's like, it's so simple, and all you know, all religions actually practice mindfulness. Because all it is is just sitting and trying to be present. Right. And listening. You know, isn't that... I mean, step 11 says thoughts of prayer and meditation. Now, I... And it tells us right away we don't pray for anything. It tells us that in all the 12-step literature. Do not pray for anything. The only thing we're supposed to be praying for is knowledge of God's will for us. So isn't that like listening for guidance. So to me, and I even wrote you a letter, I think, and you sent me some really nice stuff on prayer when I was writing my chapter in my new book, you know. And, and my conclusion is the highest form of prayer is to sit and listen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because when I'm verbal, and, and that doesn't mean, Anna, that there's not times that 
during the day or I'm in the middle of some huge challenge that I don't just fall on my knees and go, God help, please do this. I just know if this one thing would work out, it would change my life. You know, I get caught in that trap thinking I know what is good for me. I think that's the main thing that we don't want to pray for ourselves or really anybody else. And my, the lady who brought me into the program used to say, if you're going to pray, follow it with die, we'll be done. Because that kind of neutralizes everything. You know, we're, we're just trying to be present and accept what life offers and deal with it like that, you know. So I really think the highest form of prayer is when we sit and listen, which is what I think the 11th step asks us to do. That's right. Yeah, it ab- absolutely does. Somebody that's never meditated before, that wants to start that practice, that wants, if, if their person in recovery wants to really practice that 11th step or anybody from whatever perspective they're coming, they want to start to meditate, how do they do it? Well, here's, I, I mean, one of the reasons that's why I wrote my second book because I speak at conventions around the U.S. a lot and, then, and I always talk about this stuff. doesn't matter if I'm, I'm usually a Sunday morning speaker because of that. I get labeled, but... Saturday night stuff, but it's all I talk about is this stuff. So I can tell you there are so many hearts open in 12-step recovery that want to meditate, you know, and all they've ever known maybe. But you, and I say this is beautiful if you do this stuff. If you get go to bed at night and you thank God for keeping you clean today or something, that is beautiful. Or you get up in the morning, you fall to your knees and say, please keep me clean today. That's beautiful to do, but I don't call that meditation. Or you sit in the morning when you go to the bathroom, you read your little daily meditation book. That's beautiful, too, but it's not. And even like we were talking about earlier, you said something about people drive, say, I meditate in the car. Well, that's cool, and I know what they're talking about. But what I'm talking about is sitting. And and in other words, I explain it to guys like this, to the people I start sponsoring and stuff, that if you're in a relationship, you spend time communicating with your mate. You just don't go to bed and say, thank you for being in, my, in the relationship, and the next morning you get up and say, I hope we stay in the relationship today. No. So how you get intimate with your partner is by communication. Spending time together and communicating. That's how intimacy is built. Now, it's the same thing with your higher power. If you're going to form a relationship with this higher power, which they ask us to do, and they actually say it's almost essential if you want to stay clean, you've got to have some kind of relationship, that the way you do it, I think, is through meditation. And that won't happen by just saying, keep me clean today, you know. And so what I ask guys to do is take 10 minutes in the morning before they do anything else. 10 minutes is minimal. We've got 24 hours in the day. You can give 10 minutes, you know. And I just say, sit down and just, I, I explain about the breath or saying a little prayer that. Uh, good for whatever religion you're following. But just sit and give that 10 minutes to God. Don't worry about what's happening, if anything is happening. Just know that you're you're dedicating this 10 minutes to your higher power, that you think enough of this higher power, that you will give 10 minutes of your attention during the day. And I also say if, if you have little holy pictures you like or little objects that you deem are holy, Make yourself a little altar in the corner of your bedroom, or if you have a special room, do it in there. If you like to sit outside, do it. But the important thing is go to the same spot every day, because it will start to take on that vibration. And all you have to do is sit down and just, like if you need something to do, focus on your breath. And when you drift away, just gently come back to it. and 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 what I also say is try, and you know how, in the program, we hear 90 meetings for newcomers. We say, go to 90 meetings in 90 days. It creates the habit. It creates the discipline. I tell people that as try meditation for 90 days, 90 meditations in 90 days. Just try to show up in the morning for 10 minutes. If you miss a day, don't contend yourself. You know, just start again. You know, do it the next day. But... This habit will happen where all of a sudden you won't be able to start your day without it. You know, I think you know that. Absolutely. Many people that meditate already know that. You can't, 
it becomes a thing. We just can't start our day without it after a while. Right. Yeah, that's incredible. When we come back after our break, we're going to talk about what uh, prompted you to write your book uh, about mm-hmm. meditation, and, and we're going to give us a preview a little bit about what's in there. So uh, thank you, Tom, and listeners, thank you for being with us. Stay with us. We're going to take a brief break, and we'll be right back with Keeping It Simple, Meditation for Recovering People, and my guest, Tom Cat. We'll be right back. What if you could improve your health one decision at a time? Take that first step and join us each Tuesday at 9 a.m. Central and learn from experts in integrative medicine. Awaken to Your Best Health is committed to supporting your personal health through cutting-edge research, education, and practical tips that you can put into place immediately. Make that decision for yourself by saying yes to health. Somewhere, tucked away in the Unity Library archives in Unity Village, Missouri, you can find a secret treasure. They are the scripts from Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore's early days on broadcast radio. The teachings of Unity's founders, almost a hundred years old. Now, for the first time in history, you can hear them through the power of the Internet. Join Bob Brock every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, For Unity Classic Radio, words from our past. Discover the wisdom of Charles Fillmore's talks and of other Unity Radio speakers read on the air again. Call in your comments and questions as Bob and his special guests revisit Unity Radio talks of the past, along with historical background from the early days of the Unity movement. That's Unity Classic Radio, words from our past, every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, Right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. You're listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with your host, Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. And now... Here's Anna. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. I'm very glad that you're listening. If you're just joining us, our topic today is Keeping It Simple, Meditation for Recovering People. And my guest is Tom Catton. Tom is a person who's in long-term recovery since 1971, and he's also a long-term meditator. He's been a a consistent meditator since 1966, and uh, Tom is the author of the book, The Mindful Addict, uh, which you can find on Amazon.com, The Mindful Addict, and you can learn more about Tom on there as well if you find that book. And he also has just finished a book called May I Sit With You?, a Simple Approach to Meditation, and that book is in the publication process and will most likely be available um, after the turn of the year in early 2015. And Tom is really sharing some great ideas with us about meditation, how to do it, and why it's so important. So, Tom, how did you come to write your book, May I Sit With You, A Simple Approach to Meditation? What motivated you to do that? Well, Anna, um Mainly because after my first book, The Mindful Addict, is, is really a memoir of my recovery life, but it's really all about meditation, too, because of Slow Bird and everything. And, and then, so I would start getting letters from people, but it doesn't, it's not specific. It just talks about meditation service and getting guidance and all that. And then, like I said, I, you know, speak once in a while at conventions and uh, talk about this stuff all the time, and always I'm just, you know, swarmed afterwards because people's hearts are so open to this stuff. And so I started, I, I, after the Mindful Addy came out, I really started getting a lot of emails and Facebook messages from people about, well, just, you know, how do you do this? And what are some good examples? You know, just all the questions that people want to ask in the beginning. So I, I just decided just 
So this second book, really, I only started it about a year, a year and a half ago. And, uh, you know, it's already been picked up by the publisher. So it was born out of just always sending people messages about how to do it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. I, and really this book, it's got it. The book is like the mindful addict is more a story and, you know, it's a page turner type thing. And you want to turn the page to the next thing to see what happens. But this new book is more like you can almost open it up to any page or any chapter. And just because every, like right now, I think it's going to end up with about, because uh, I'm just finishing up the last few chapters. I'm going to have almost 70 chapters in this new book. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be, and it's not, it's not a real long, it's, it's, it, but it's concise, you know. So what that means is I've got, 70 different subjects I'm talking about, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, so everything I could think of, you know, I mean, the very first chapter, I just, I, I get this right from the beginning. I just get it out of the way. The chapter's called ego, you know, mm-hmm. because that's our biggest threat, you know, that's our biggest uh, enemy to meditating. You know, when anybody sits down to practice, even me at 40 plus years of practice, and especially if you're new, there's just going to be days when all of a sudden, I swear to God, you can think of a thousand different things that you're supposed to be doing right now. And that just, you know, just that restlessness that comes. And that's just ego. It just wants to detour us from any type of self-realization, you know, because I'll tell you, the ego, the ego dissolves when you're in the present moment. So it doesn't want you practicing that, you know. So I get that out of the way. And then the second chapter is like, this guy, I think, titled, I don't have the manuscript with me right now, but it's called A Place to Practice, A Place to Meditate or A Place to Practice. Just talks about how special that is, getting the place set up. So I just really try to cover every aspect of meditation that I've been asked about or that I practice, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it's going to answer a lot of questions for people, and I think it's a, it'll be a book for somebody that, already, you know, many years in the program that already practices meditation, because it'll just be a lot of, look at, when you talk about meditation or write about meditation, it's very repetition. Right. It's very repetition. There's nothing new. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always about coming back, and it's about the deep, it's about the practice, and it's about what you do in the practice, which is mainly keep coming back to the breath, you know. But there's a lot of obstacles it just I think I really I sent it to the publishing company and they absolutely love it I got a personal letter from the owner of the publishing company in fact that after he read the manuscript he just said Tom we love you and we love your new book <laughs> so that, that was pretty cool I love that that is yeah. cool that is cool yeah well let me ask you this kind of a paradoxical question here is did Okay, your book is about the practice of meditation. How did you utilize meditation, uh, or how did your meditation practice help you write the book? Aha, uh-huh. very good question. And I might add that the stuff I say is, is really the truth, too. I've actually got a wife that can prove that. But the whole, almost, look at I'm still working. You know, I'm still, like I said, I, I mean, this is... Uh, ironic thing I've gotten. I'm going to have two books published now that are pretty groovy books, you know, that I, that the mindful Addy has got 53 five-star reviews, I think on Amazon. But the funny thing is I'm still out painting houses at 70 years old, you know? So the mm-hmm. funny thing is I don't have time. It's not like I'm retired completely. And especially with the mindful Addy, that was years ago. But what I do is I get up around three in the morning and I practice meditation, you know, for, you know, 45 minutes to an hour to 30 minutes, whatever. But I get up and practice every morning very early, and that gives me time to write afterwards. And things come through me all day long because uh, I try to spend my whole day in the present moment, you know, as much as I can, even climbing a ladder or painting, a, whatever I'm doing, you know. And things come to me, and I have to run and write them down because I'll forget them completely, you know. And that's how my book was written, you know, it was written in the very early hours of the morning. Both books were written in that way. It wasn't like I had a bunch of time. If I ever do take a day off, I try to 
spend it in, you know, the day writing and getting more writing done. But I wouldn't attempt to do this stuff without... Because I think when you meditate, you channel, you know, and when the words start flying out, you're, you know, they're just coming from within. Right. So I've got to go within and find out what I'm supposed to say. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's really good. That's pretty, that's amazing. Yeah. 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 When, um, what do you, oh, I know what I was going to ask you is about, uh, Meditating in groups, because I think, I know you have done that. I don't know if you do that currently, that you also um, meditate or have meditated with a group. How is that different than meditating alone? Well, now, my personal, here's my personal answer. I have meditated in groups, and it's fine, but most of the time I'm leading the group at my house, you know, because we have a recovery song. Everybody that's interested in mindfulness and recovery, so we have all the 12 fellowships coming and, you know, we average only 15 people, but we sit twice a month, the first Sunday and the third Sunday of the month. And uh, so that is a group sit where we actually do a 20-minute sit that I start off with the guidance of it. But actually, for me, it's, it's, I find it harder because then, I mean, you know, the mind, you know, I got a mind. So if I hear the neighbor dog is barking too much or you know, I'm very hyper aware of the meditation going okay. You know what I mean? It gets me mm-hmm. too into it, so it's harder to let go. But everybody in the group just absolutely loves the group. And I and I vote meditated in other groups when I because sometimes we have day longs at our house with our this other Dharma teacher that lives here on the island, uh, Gavin Harrison, and we'll do day longs like from nine to four thirty of meditation, sitting meditation, and walking meditation. And those, it's really I'm not responsible, so it's really out of my hands, you know, and I can go much deeper. But I find people's feedback is they really like group sitting. They mm-hmm. love it. Mm-hmm. So is it that the, because you've got a lot of people, a group meditating, that it helps them to relax, or what is it, or how is it that people... I think that, I think everybody... I think there's a vibration that happens in the room, you know, and that's why, so everybody gets, when you have that many people sitting together trying to be present, you know, it kind of creates that atmosphere. And people go very deep that way, very deep, because mm-hmm. the atmosphere is set in place for you, you know. So, yeah, it works. I think people find it very beneficial. Right. Yep. Well, we're near the end of our uh okay time here together but tell us if you would tom in in the next couple of minutes sort of in a in a how does meditation help you be that loving person that you were talking about uh earlier today that how that so it is important that in the end that's the deal it's about am i being loving in this moment how does meditation support that well like i said meditation and then once you meditate a long time and a lot of years you start carrying it with you through the day like i said at work whatever i'm doing i'm constantly coming back to my breath but in meditation you start touching that joy within you start touching that love and it starts rising up and you can't help but being a loving person you are i mean meditation and service go together but you can't once you touch that love, your true nature, which is who we are. It's nothing that, it's not getting a new car that happens or being married to your soulmate. It's getting in touch with that, that place inside of you. You can't help, you, you are, you can't, you're compelled to go serve others. You're compelled to smile at people. You're compelled to be that loving channel, you know. It just, you can't stop it from coming out most of the time, you know. So that. Meditation has just helped me. Um, just real quick, I haven't had an easy life. I've been divorced twice. I'm on my third marriage. I've had cancer. I've had two brain surgeries. I've lost a company, and I owed a half a million dollars. I've been through the mill, but I can, I've learned to stay peaceful through it all by this mm-hmm. practice. So that's what meditation does. It's not me doing this, you know. It's our practice. It's, it's who we are inside that we start to get in touch with. You know, when we start to take time and let put our distractions down, the iPhone down, the, the TV off, that's why I say practice early in the morning before you start any distraction. And 
you will start to get in touch with who you really are, and who you really are is love. It is joy. It just is. And that's, mm-hmm. a, that's when we start waking up. You know, we're awakening now. Right. Yeah, I love that. It's like, it's, what I'm hearing when you're saying that is that through that meditation, it's, it's opening up the door to that genuine self and being in that flow of life instead of always sort of bucking the tide there. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'd just like to tell everybody the new, new book will be out. And I'm on Facebook, so if anybody likes to get posts about spiritual nonsense every day, I'm always posting about that stuff. So you can always ask me to be your friend on Facebook. And, uh, and The Mindful Addict is really a groovy book that I get. Like, I just got an email today from Amsterdam. I mean, this is regular. You know, I mean, it's all over the world, and people are loving that book. So I would encourage people to check it out. They do, and I can, uh, it is, it's a wonderful book. And Tom Catton is C-A-T-T-O-N, and you can indeed find him on Facebook, and he does uh, post great stuff on there every day. Uh, Tom, thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you for sharing about meditation. It's been wonderful. And listeners, thank you for being with us. Um, Have a great week, and be with us again. We'll be right back next week on Spirit of Recovery. Thank you for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time for down-to-earth ideas about keeping spirituality at the heart of your recovery. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. Committed to bringing light to the soul online at soulmatters-spiritworks.org. The Great Forgetting. That's what some call this time in which we are living. It is a time when we have become so youth-obsessed and age-averse that the wisdom and experience of our elders is being marginalized and in too many cases lost. Each Tuesday at 5 p.m. Central Time, George and Sedina Capanelli, co-founders of Age Nation and co-authors of the award-winning Do Not Go Quietly, talk with some of the leading wisdom keepers of our time about how we can use this precious gift called our lives to create a more sane, sustainable, conscious, and loving world. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Central on Do Not Go Quietly, conversations with the wisdom keepers, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Things may happen around you, things may happen to you, but the only things that really count are the things that happen in you. This meditative moment from Reverend Eric Butterworth is brought to you by Unity. Reverend Paulette's mantra is, it's all a prayer. Tune in every Tuesday as Unity Minister Paulette Pipe leads you in meditation and prayer on touching the stillness. Make no mistake, this is not nap time. With an energy that will captivate you, touching the stillness will guide you in deep meditation, leaving you enlivened. Hear astounding meditations and learn more about different forms of meditation. Enrich your prayer life as Reverend Paulette, Senior Minister of Touching the Stillness Ministries, affirmatively prays with power and authority by taking live prayer requests from callers like you. 
Whether you have a prayer request for yourself or for a loved one or are ready for a deepened meditation experience, make sure you tune in on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Central Time, where we'll be joining in consciousness with the unceasing prayer activity of the Silent Unity 24-7 Prayer Ministry at Unity Village. That's Touching the Stillness with Rev. Paulette Pipe every Tuesday right here on Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Letting go in the Are you looking for help on your path to healing? I'm Lisa Campion. I'm a psychic, Reiki master, teacher, and energy healer. On my podcast, The Miracle of Healing, I'm going to help you on your healing path. Listen to conversations with leading teachers in energy medicine, quantum healing, and people who have recovered from loss and illness. Whether it's to take care of your own healing or to help other people, this is the podcast for you, right here on mindbodyspirit.fm.